Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Strictly Anonymous on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real does your friend know that you're banging? Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Motto of the show, let your free flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here is your host, Kathy. It's a good one. Um, if you want to be on the show, this is a call and advice show where I talk to total strangers about all kinds of things. I really do like giving advice. So if you have just even a regular problem and your friends don't fucking listen to you anymore and you have no friends and you need advice, uh, send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have like a secret life or a naughty life or an interesting life that you want to talk about. While remaining totally anonymous, I change everybody's voices on the show so nobody will recognize you and you make up a name. Send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. I also talk to people now on the side who don't, who want to talk to me to reveal like their stuff, get my advice, uh, all those same things that you'd want to be on my show. But the, the, for people that don't want to be on the show and they don't want me to air their episode, um, you could do so. I like to do that as well, but I charge a fee for that since I'm not airing the episode. Uh, send me an email at that same email I just gave out like 10,000 times. Strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. Today I have on Lacey Broussard. Br- Broussard, I think is her name. I forget. Uh, she emailed me. She has a podcast herself. 
Um, I think she's she's a sex therapist, maybe like a sex coach. I would say she is um, for women. Uh, and I, she emailed me to be on the show. I think she's looking to get clients, you know, and advertise herself, which I think is smart. Uh, she's all about helping women, you know, sort of unleash their sexual potential. If that makes grammatical sense. <laughs> Is grammatical even a fucking word? I don't know. Um, but you know, she was a woman that was raised in a very strict religious background um, and, you know, had all that kind of stuff put on her when she was younger. But she really came out of it and came into her own sexually, especially. And it became something that she wants to help other people do as well. We talk about her history of like, you know, how her religion affected her and her sexuality and how she sort of came into her own on that and all the things that she's into and the things that she does and how she got to be so multi-orgasmic and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> she gives uh, information of how you could do it too. She, like I said, has, I think she came on my show, right, to get clients. I tried to ask her how much she charges, but she wouldn't tell me. You know, if you want to, she gives all her information out on how to find her. So you'll listen to the podcast for that. Um, and if you want coaching for her, she offers that. But for all her information, you got to listen to the show. So anyway, I'm going to be right back on with Lacey. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is strictly anonymous. Strictly anonymous. Hey, Lacey. Lacey, how do you say your last name? Broussard? Yeah, Broussard. Okay, Lacey Broussard. Yeah, I like that. Lacey Broussard. You, um, I got an email from you or maybe someone who works with you looking to, uh, come on the show and you have your own podcast, right? And you're also, I, I guess, like a sex therapist, sex coach. What do you call yourself formally? Like what's the actual real title? Yeah. I'm a holistic sex coach for women that lack desire and want to feel sexy again. And the <laughs> That's holistic, my official title. <laughs> right. And the holistic part of it means like for people that don't really know is like, you're not like, cause maybe like another sex therapist would talk about like medication or hormones or whatever. You, I mean, a holistic aspect is you're, you, this is done in a natural way, right? Is that, is that correct? Or am I totally wrong? No, that's totally correct. Yeah. I use modern psychology, psychotherapy, and modern coaching modalities and also the Taoist and tantric practices to help my clients. Whereas obviously therapists can't bring in Taoism and Tantra. (laughs) So that's how it's different. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you're, you have a little bit, maybe some people just have the Tantra. Some people just have the other, the therapy modalities, right. But you have like both, which I think makes Mm -hmm. you actually probably more unique than most people, right? Because you have both sides of things. Exactly. Yep. And now on your website, because I looked at your bio, right? It's like pretty simple and quick, which I prefer not to get, not to have a a lot of information about the person I'm speaking to, because I just like to ask a lot of questions, right? And then I'm just a curious person. 
Um, cause it, it like for you, what you said and what we're going to talk about, which I, what topic that I like is about, you know, moms. Cause I think I have a lot of guy listeners that call in and they're like cheating on their wives or people who besides listeners, people who call in who have, uh, are, t- are cheating or looking for other things online because maybe their wife or not maybe because their wife has lost interest in sex. Right. And as a woman, mm-hmm. I'm 50, right? I And I'm a mom and I'm a new mom because I had a baby later in life, you know, and those kind of like whether it's perimenopause or having a child, you know, it really does a fucking number to your sex drive, right? And what you talk about a lot is that you help women get that back without doing hormones and stuff. Because I have to tell you, I mean, I don't really talk about myself a lot, but <clears throat> I did go on hormones, bioidentical hormones for... Uh, you know, for perimenopause because of my age and Mm -hmm. it didn't do anything for my sex drive. And it turned out when I was like retested after two years of being in it, like my testosterone, because I was taking testosterone, it was like way high. It was like too high, you know, so I was being Mm -hmm. overdosed. Yet you would, they, you would think I would be extra horny, but I wasn't. I was like, I felt nothing. Like it was like bad. And ever since I got off of them, I got off of everything recently. To me, I feel better and actually more horny so it doesn't there's no rhyme or reason to that kind of stuff but you know you don't you you try to help women reattach to their sexuality and feel more comfortable and and have an increase in their sex drive right that's what you do and especially for moms right because I think there's nothing Mm -hmm. more unsexy than being a mom I don't know I think it's it's very easy to lose your your sexuality in that role and I think it's difficult to get it back I mean maybe some people hold on to it right I you know mine went out the window because I was just like all mom all the time you know for at least the first three years I felt like once he turned three I was getting back into like myself and I was feeling very different but I think for the first two years you know you're just so in this like world right that it's very easy to forget about that part of who you are right and to feel not sexy because I don't think being a mom is sexy at all (laughs) but I mean you're here to say that it is right yeah for sure well I'm here to say that you can be both that it doesn't have to be taboo Mm -hmm. that it's actually a disservice to the world to cut yourself off from your sexuality just because you're a mom because Mm -hmm. that's like the source of women's energy and then we all wonder why we're so tired and overwhelmed and depleted all the time (laughs) because we're not connected to our pleasure. Right. And it's not good to disconnect from that in a relationship too, because that intimacy, if you're not having that with your partner, right? I mean, that plays a number on your relationship as well. Well, yeah, because most women's desire is ignited by their brain. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's what they need to get turned on is like a, an intimate connection before there's ever any physical touching involved. Most women are wired that way. Not all of them, but most of them. So if you're not having that intimacy and connection with your partner, like outside of physical sex, then yeah, of course you're going to, you're not going to feel sexual. Yeah, exactly. But also for you, like you said on your, like you had a child when you were in your early twenties, right? And then Mm -hmm. you said you started to take, I mean, how, what was your story? What's your story that, you you know, because I'm assuming that you teach women also by experience, right? Not just you went to classes, like you had this awakening in you. It's like on your bio, it's like, you know, one day it just, you just realized, uh, you know, all these desires are in yourself. And like, how did that come about? Yeah. Well, 
Uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep that story short. But no, I, really I mean, why? I think that's the, an interesting story. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I was born and raised uh, right outside of New Orleans, Louisiana, in a very conservative, religious environment. Mm-hmm. And I had an amazing childhood. Everything was so stable. This is this is like the ideal childhood. And when I was a teenager, my mom shamed me for having my first boyfriend that I never did anything with. I never had sex with him or whatever, but mm-hmm. she tried to make me feel terrible about it. And like all the things that could happen if I did have sex with them. And it was just, you know, so much guilt and shame, so much guilt and shame for right. being a sensual sexual teenager. And when I got pregnant and had my first baby at 23. Were you married I or was a, this out of wedlock, quote unquote? <laughs> no. Yeah. And I actually got married because of the guilt, right? Like I thought I had to marry him to make it go away. And oh, so you, got, so you did that. get pregnant out of wedlock, right? No. no oh, okay. No. So you married him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met him when I was 18 okay. because I left New Orleans area and went to, to Denver, Colorado. And I just had to get away because all growing up was like young teenagehood. I knew that what my parents had taught me, what they believed in, I did not. It was right. not me. And I needed to find myself, right? So I went off to Denver and I met him like two weeks after I got there. And we had dated. We got married when I was 20. And, uh, you know, at 22, I got pregnant. Let me ask you this so, real quick before we jump into like what happens at 22. Before you met him uh, and stuff, like all that guilt and shame that your parents <laughs> shame that your parents put on you. Did you wind up having sex before you were married or did you were you still a virgin or did you do shit behind their back and not listen to them? Like what what was your history yeah, before you got married? I think I did. Wait, I met him in June and I didn't have sex with him until September, but we were exclusive. So it, was, it still took me even a while to get to the point where I could have sex. So, and you and had it before him is what I'm saying, right? No, before that, no. like, so you're 18 and that's when you meet him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I had never had sex before meeting him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you did have sex before marriage though, a little bit with him, but you waited a while. Right. Okay, cool. So yeah. now you're 22 yeah. and you get pregnant. Yeah. And I had gone to college to be an OBGYN, actually. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get in med school to deliver babies. And uh, it was right around the time when the housing market crashed in like 2007, eight. And um, let's see. Yeah, so I had never, I never actually got into med school. Right. <laughs> and then I'm left thinking like, well, crap, um, what do I do now? Yeah. So um, I, I ended up getting pregnant and then I started a master's degree while I was pregnant in environmental science, whatever. So the doctor thing never worked out, but I had already been through so many rotations with doctors before I'd seen a bunch of C-sections. And I just knew when I saw them, I was like, wow, that sucks. If I ever have a kid, I don't want it to be like that. Uh, So I did a bunch of childbirth ed classes and I just decided I was going to have mine at home and I didn't even have a midwife. And honestly, I would never recommend it. What, the midwife or doing it at home by yourself? (laughs) Doing it at home by yourself. Oh, right. I can imagine. Right. 
well, there was something about that experience that needed to happen Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. exactly the way that it did. And the thing about me doing it at home by myself was that I literally never feared it. You weren't afraid at all. Do you think it was because you were like in all those classes watching all those babies being born and you had some med school, right? Like you had some schooling behind you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it was like I I knew what to look out for. Sure. Yeah, I had the knowledge of of what to do if things go wrong. But it was still just like I I never I just knew that wasn't going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. I knew it. And I just knew that this is how my baby had to be born. Right. And when he came, he came extremely fast. I had what's called a precipitous birth. So good thing I had planned it that way because I would have never made it to the hospital anyway. Oh, he would have come out in in the car or something. Yeah, I had a, like, I started labor. From the moment I realized I was in labor and had him, it was only two and a half hours. Oh, wow. And it was only like hard labor for about half an hour. So by the time that I was like, okay, this is probably the time that someone would go to the hospital, it was way too late. <laughs> right. So, anyway, it was a, a an insane experience for me. And after I like after I had him, pretty much everything that I had been taught about my body, about my sexuality, about pleasure, was just gone out the window. It's like, well, interesting that like a birth of a child could do that for you, right? Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Yeah, well, when you're in, like, when you're, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning, right? Everything's super dark outside. And, like, when you're in that natural environment and your body just, you just, you have to let your body do what it knows how to do. And it was like this very sensual, embodied experience for me. And no one was shaming me for it. No one was telling me what to do or what not to do. It was just me having to follow my body's cues for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was freaking magical. And it just made me realize that literally everything my parents taught me, everything religion taught me, everything society taught me about my body was a crock of fucking bullshit. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of what started my awakening journey, spiritually speaking, and like into the work that I do. I ended up working in a birth center for seven years as a doula and oh, really? a midwife apprentice. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because you noticed- didn't want a doula. Like you didn't really want that help at home yourself, but yeah. yet, and then you went into that sort of field and you became that person for other people, right? But I just don't exactly. think that most people would have the balls to do it at home by themselves like you anyway. They do need no, somebody there don't. with them, right? <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, Let me ask so you this I quick question because I heard once from somebody that you could have an orgasm and some women have orgasms when they give birth. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Did that yeah. happen to you? Absolutely. Or have you seen that happen? It, well, I think the way that we define orgasm is very limiting to women's pleasure mm-hmm. and their experience of peak pleasure. Right. And I think that because of how we define orgasm as a height, like a, a peak, right? Like a fireworks yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. That's based off of the male model of orgasm, but women's experiences of orgasm is not that. And that is how birth can be an orgasmic experience. And women do feel that it is an orgasmic experience, but it takes being left to their own devices and not being shamed or told what to do, you know, because like in the hospital, they tell you what to do. They tell you you need to do this, do that. You know, there's tons of harsh lights, you know, tons of people around like birth is actually a really sensual experience. The things that make a baby are the things that help get a baby out. So that sensuality, like being able to be really in your body and, and present um, touching yourself, you know, self-pleasuring while you're in labor. It's actually amazing. Oh, interesting. Uh, the pain. Self-pleasuring yourself while you're, and so mm-hmm. did you do that practice with the women that when you were the, their doula? I had a couple clients that did. Yeah. Their, their husbands were super supportive and it was a birth center. So even though there were people there, we, them to the lights, you know, we set the environment, we would yeah. leave them to their own devices as much as possible. And a lot of them really did get into that, uh, right. especially something like hypnobirthing or, you know, that really helps you to stay in your body mm-hmm. uh, during labor and birth. But yeah, I, I, I would say it was, there's that fine line between pleasure and pain mm-hmm. and it absolutely was painful, but it was absolutely ecstatic and pleasurable at the same time. Right. And that can be completely orgasmic. So, yeah, it was an absolute orgasmic experience for me. And I know that it is for a lot of other women, too. And then so then when did you get into learning about like the Tantra and going to school for that and, you know, bringing that into your life? Yeah. Well, that was that came from uh, working in the birth center. Mm-hmm. I had been on an email list um, from my teacher, Layla Martin, and she ended up creating a jade egg course. Have you heard of the jade egg? Should yeah, I, I think, that? you know, is that the thing that Gwyneth Paltrow like made kind of famous? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. What is yeah, what yeah. is the jade egg? Does it actually work? Yeah. Well, it is a fixated stain that you use internally in your vagina and you do different squeezes and releases with it mm-hmm. and different breath practices. And it helps to tone and strengthen the pelvic floor. And the more tone and strong your pelvic floor, the the stronger mm-hmm. and longer orgasms that you can potentially have. Oh, interesting. And yeah, so it has that effect, but it also really connect you to your body. Like women are just super disconnected from their bodies and their pelvic floors in general, you know, no one pays attention to it. So using a jade egg as a practice will just help you get connected with that part of your body. And yeah. when I used it, it was, you know, the, the reason I wanted to learn the practice was because I had all that shame and I felt really unexpressed. Uh-huh. And my sexuality with my second husband, uh, when we first got together, like we had amazing sex, but it just felt like I felt a little shut down. Like I know that there was more 
that I could express. I knew that there was something I wasn't tapping into, like right. my full sexual expression. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was because of the freaking religious shame. So when I started the practice, I did it for about three months, you know, like two or three times a week. Um, you know, the practices are short. They're only like 10 or 15 minutes. And within about three months, I just woke up one morning and that half awoke, half sleep state, you know, that dream state. Uh-huh. And I just remember like all of this shame, like lifting out of my body. I could like see it and feel it as like this dark cloud uh-huh. that was just gone. One day it was just freaking gone. And then right after that, I became super multi-orgasmic. I started having like full body energy orgasms, like Kundalini awakening experiences. Like I did not know what was happening to my body. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so like, jealous. Yeah. And so my teacher came out with an email saying that she was going to be starting uh, a school to teach and train coaches specifically in sex, love and relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was like, oh, yeah, wow. You know, my work at the birth center, I'd seen so many women come in and their postpartum appointments saying how much they struggled with sexuality like yeah you know we give them the clearance to have sex and they're like yeah they would laugh at you in your face you know <laughs> totally <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> you know it was a joke so um when that opportunity came up i just knew that that was what i was here to do i am put on this planet to help women connect back to their sensual sexual selves after becoming moms and I right. went and what's to great about for... you is you had, you know, it's from personal experience, right? I mean, you went through, you had, I mean, I think, you know, your upbringing helps you in what you do in a way, right? Because you were someone mm-hmm. that was completely turned off, right? And disconnected. And now you're completely connected. So, you know, from personal experience, which I think is always great if you're going to somebody for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I love what I do in the training that I did and why I chose it over going back to school to be a sex therapist because you, they don't make sex therapists embody the work that they teach. You know, part of my training was that I had to do all of this deconditioning on myself. I had to do everything that I'm teaching my clients to do. It's not like, oh, let me just give you this thing to do. Right, and you didn't just I read about it. It's like. Right, yeah. right, right. No, I think that's what I think is like super helpful, right? You have that story of your awakening, right? So you could really guide people and talk from your own personal experience, which I always think is helpful. It's for me, like, because I quit drinking and whenever I get somebody on who's like a alcoholic or maybe, pretend, you know, I get so excited because I could really talk from my own experience, right? Because I went through that mm-hmm. and I think that that's always really helpful. But you just mentioned like a second ago, like your second husband, you're, right? Are, are, mm-hmm. are you with your second husband now? Like when did you divorce that guy in your 20s? Because you had just got a, had a baby with him, right? And did you start doing yeah. the whole jade practice with him or did you just, it wasn't until you like wore out of that relationship and you were into another one? Yeah, so I ended up uh, getting divorced from him, and I think my youngest was three, Uh and then I actually moved out of the house and found out I was pregnant with my second child three weeks after I moved out. Oh, wow. So we were getting divorced, Uh and then it was like, oh, fuck, moment. 
And then I was like, you know, as much as I'm for women, women's rights, whatever, I, I couldn't do an abortion. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just couldn't go through with it. So I was like, nope. And I had him and my second child and it was just like, okay, well, let's just see if we can make it work. You know, like I need the support financially. Um, and after about six months, when my youngest was six months old, um, he started me divorce papers. So oh, that so was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out anyway. No, I was just, I was never in love with him. Right. I married him because I thought I had to. Because right. I thought you guys were that super make... young, you know? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, I don't think younger people get married that early anymore. And I think that that's super, that's super smart. I listen, it's not to I say that so. people can't meet somebody when they're 20 something and spend the rest of their lives. But, you know, when you do marriage math with uh, which I talk about on my show, like if you're getting married at that young of an age, you're going to be with the same person for a long time. And I, I just yeah. I don't know. I think that that's really hard to keep uh, because what I think happens with a lot of divorces, right? And people put such a negative sort of spin to divorce. And I think sometimes after 12 years if you separate like it's not that's not a failure right I mean you're with somebody for a long time you know and just life sometimes you go in different on a different path and it's, it's just because you're not together anymore or it doesn't work out anymore doesn't mean it's a terrible thing right um, but I think it's very it's more it's less likely that you're going to meet someone at 20 and stay both of you on the same path for your whole life right um, and I think that's why a lot of times people get divorced. People look at it negative, but that's just fucking life, you know? Um, so I think you have more of a chance of staying together when you're older because, you know, maybe there's less paths to take, <laughs> you know, it's then when you're 20 years old, you know what I mean? It's like different. It's uh, a long time to expect to be on the same page and doing the same things, whatever. How long after that did yeah. you meet your second husband? Yeah. Well, okay. So I was a single mom. Uh, with a six-month-old and a three-year-old. And I was working in a birth center, and the only way I was able to do that job was that I had a nanny that lived with me for free Mm -hmm. in exchange for helping me out with my kids. So she was a college student, and she just lived in the house. Um, um, I was able to get out after I put them to bed, you know, so I actually was able to have a little bit of a life, you know, Yeah, <laughs> totally saved my ass. Honestly, I don't know what it, she lived with me for three years, actually. Yeah, that's and helped awesome. with that. It was, it was amazing. The best thing I ever did for myself as a young mom, best thing ever. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So even after I got married the second time, she still lived with us for two years. So I met my second husband about a year after I got divorced and, um, it was, it was amazing. We learned Tantra together. We had super awakening, activating experience. Like I was so in love with them and it was a very beautiful relationship. And the only reason it ended is because, um, he had been sexually abused mm-hmm. and by a priest that was his uncle. And oh, then it came out in the newspaper and he had been like the uncle had been the priest had been accused with like over a hundred counts of child molestation and abuse. Yeah. And shortly after that, um, it was Mardi Gras and he got a DUI for the, the third time and lost his job of 20 years and he just couldn't pull himself together and I couldn't do it for him, you know? Yeah. 
so that's the dirty details. <laughs> and there's a point where it's like, okay, well, you either have to pick yourself off the ground or you're just going to have to stay there. But I can't, I can't drag you. You know, I can't, I can't pick you up. You know, I mean, you I have to come from the person. I, I was saying, like, if you yeah. lead a horse to water and it won't drink, shoot it. Like, I mean, there's nothing you could do. You can't, you know, you can't force someone to, you know, do what's best for them if they don't have it in them yet, you know? Exactly. Yeah, he had a lot of, of trauma that he needed to face, and he wasn't willing to do the work. Now, are you with somebody now? I am not. I'm single. I've been single for almost two years now, mm-hmm. and dating. <laughs> so that's been interesting. <laughs> Wait, but how Very old are you now? I'm 35. You're 35. Okay. You have two kids, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so yep, they're now nine and 11. <laughs> and so you're dating, but so the Tantra school, like after you, you know, you had, I'm assuming you went to school for psychology and all that stuff, right? You have a degree for that. Yeah in biology and chemistry mm-hmm. oh, okay and then you and then you went to tantra school and you got your and so because i always wonder like do sex therapists have a degree like is there a place where you go for school to get mm-hmm. that degree yeah yeah for sure yeah they they are therapists but they specialize in sexuality so it's like a master's degree right so at tantra school though like are people coming in and like having sex in front of you <laughs> like i mean how what are the classes no. like uh, i don't know no 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 well it's it's a it was sex called relationship coaching right. training so it's not like it's very tantric based my teacher spent 10 years in asia learning from tantric masters and gurus and dallas masters so she had accumulated all this knowledge. She also went to Stanford and majored in human sexuality. So she had a very scientific background and a very spiritual background. Right. And, and that's what I was super drawn to is that she had both. I'm like, yep, that's what people need. And after my experience with JDEG, I was like, wow, this is so helpful for women connecting to their bodies after birth. You know, it just was the right fit for me. I just knew that this is what I was here to do. This is the work I was here to spread. And, the coaching training took about two years to finish. So, you know, it was like a one year live course and then you had an extra year to like complete all of the, all of the trainings and, and practicums and all of the stuff to, to make you certified on it. But yeah, it was really intense. Uh, we did two live components. Most of it was online, but the live components were retreats and it's lots of breath work, lots of rituals, like 50 women in the jungle of Mexico. Fuck yeah, we were naked the whole freaking time and doing uh, all the weird shit. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it was amazing. Oh my god, if some uh, guy but, yeah. walked into the by accident, went off the be- beaten path, and found you guys, he'd be like, "Oh, oh my gosh. yeah, <laughs> yeah." It was it was an epic experience, and I've been to Bali and a, a couple, you know, Mexico again, and a couple of, and Greece, and done similar similar type retreats with some of the women that I did my training with. And it's, it's, it's amazing to have the community, you know, to have other women that are into this work that are doing the same thing. It's, uh, you know, makes you feel not alone because when you come from a Southern Baptist family where your parents are still extremely Southern Baptist and yeah. you're completely open about what you do. Like I was on Fox news in Mississippi a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had to tell my parents and they're like, well, what are you going to be on TV for? And I'm like, for sex, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, like I don't speak, 
I don't seek their approval because I know I'm never going to get it, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, but like having that, that community of other women that absolutely will celebrate me and cheer me on, you know, that's, that makes it able. It makes it possible for me to do such radical work in this world and to be on the freaking front lines of changing the paradigm of women and moms and sexuality because this shit has to end. Right. Like there is absolutely no reason it's almost 2020 that we cannot be seen as moms and have our full sexuality and be okay with that. I'm fucking done with it. I don't know about y'all, but I am done. Yeah, no, and, <laughs> and I think, like I said, I think it's just easy as a mom and a new mom, right? Like I said, my son just turned four. And like I said, I definitely felt a shift around three just within myself, you know? Um, but I went from like wearing high heels every day, never, it was like sneakers only to the gym, you know, to like, you're like in flats all the time cause you're running. I have a boy, you know, so you're like at the park every day in New York, you're not in your house, you're out in the park every day, you know? So you're like, yeah. you, be, you lose that. I could totally get why so many women lose it. Cause I think like, you know, I would have had to, or women would have to know, like everything you know before that baby's born, right? Because once it happens, if you don't have a grip on it and you're not like, oh, I better hold on to that part of myself, it's going to fucking disappear mm-hmm. listening to Baby Shark on a loop. You know what I mean? Because it's oh so my God. Un- it's just very <laughs> unsexy. Everything is cutesy, cutesy schmootsy with when you have a baby. Uh-uh. And we love that as women, right? We love that. And yeah. that's a part of it. But you know, there becomes this very imbalance, I think, you know, and I'm sure there's women out there that don't, you know, haven't lost it, but I don't think they're in the majority. I think most majority of the majority of women, you know, have this problem that you, you know, that you can help. Now, now what, like, say I came to you or someone came to you, right? Did that needed a help? Like a mom who's lost touch with her desire and she has no sex drive anymore, you know, would you start her on the jade egg practice? Because like, that's what started it for you or like, what is it? How does it work when someone comes to see you? Yeah. Well, I, for women that lack desire, I have a six month program for them because this, this is holistic sexuality. I'm not giving you a freaking pink pill. All right. I'm giving you something that actually works that gets to the root cause of the problem so that you don't have to go try Bilesi or whatever other drug that that's the newest drug on the market right now. It's just Bilesi stuff for lack of desire for women. Oh, really? I've but, never heard of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what locks desire down, what keeps it from being full blown is a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Conditioning, trauma, mindsets. Right. And your body. Right. And okay. listen, a lot body, of those things are happen to women, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, three of them you have absolutely no control over. Right. You don't have control over your condition. You don't have control over what happened to your body yeah. and how your body absorbs the conditioning. You don't have condition it. You don't have the control over the trauma that you got. The only thing you have control over is your mindset. Right. So sometimes we have to start with that. And, you know, just changing that mindset that rewriting a new sexual narrative is usually the first place to have women start. It's a top-down approach, and then we go very quickly into a bottom-up approach to healing and activating their sacral chakra, their sexual energy again, But and using the jade egg is definitely a part of it. Um, I don't have a 
single female client that I haven't had used the JDEG. I teach them how to use it and I give them tons of practices to do because it is so effective in helping them come back to their bodies and releasing all of the trauma and conditioning that's got their desire on lockdown because that's why they don't have the desire. There's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with their body. There's nothing wrong with almost all of the time. Women like to blame it on their hormones. They like to say, oh, it's just my hormones. Well, of course, there's an initial period after you have a baby where your body doesn't, isn't making the sex hormones because it doesn't want to get pregnant again. Right. That's normal. That's natural. But right. after about a year, mm-hmm. that starts to shift. It starts to change. You know, and with breastfeeding, some people go longer than that, so it can take a little bit longer. It's normal to have that natural lull. But what I started to find was that people were, you know, they had six-year-olds. And when's the last time you had sex with your husband? Like six (laughs) months ago. Okay. Yeah. So clearly there's something else going on. It's not your freaking hormones. Stop blaming it on your hormones. Right. But what about menopausal women? That's fucking hormones. Yeah. Yeah, that that is. And there's, um, I I have a podcast actually that talks about um, the hormone component. Um, So the hormone component is like you can take hormones, but if your body isn't producing if your body isn't able to process and produce hormones on its own, it doesn't freaking matter how much hormones you take. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have the fatty acids. We don't eat enough fatty acids at all. Uh, like that's a huge problem right there. So perimenopausal women, premenopausal women, you know, like making sure your gut biome is in check. That's yeah. a huge reason that you're not able to make the hormones is because you're eating shit. Right. Um, you know, like, yeah, making sure your diet's healthy, you're getting all of the fatty acids so that you're actually producing the hormones yourself. Because if you're not, all those extra hormones you're taking aren't going to do a bit of good. Right. So for premenopausal women, though, it is hardly ever the hormones that causes the lack of desire. It's all of the, the trauma, the conditioning, the mindset, and their body that's holding it all like birth trauma or sexual trauma and how your body retort, you know, gets the tension and the stress in the body. So we're working through, you know, all sorts of things. And I don't want to go into it because I'm not here to like <laughs> tell you about my program or whatever, but it's, it's addressing all four of those areas and not just one, which if you go to a counselor or marriage counseling, a lot of my people are like, well, can I just go to marriage counseling? I'm like, does your marriage counselor know shit about sexuality? Right. <laughs> Most of them don't. They'll tell you to schedule sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go that's on like a date. the best advice they've got. Go on a <laughs> go date. Go on a date. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the kind of, that's not what I do. What about right, like those things where I see on TV, like those rose petals all over the bedroom? That would be like the biggest yeah. turnoff for me. Like, that would not turn me on as a woman. Like, I was like, right? who likes that shit? Do, I, do some girls like that? Like, I don't know. I don't, I just think I would like laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think that that's hot, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's turned on a different way. Yeah. You know, just scheduling sex and and going on dates is not going to solve your sexual problems or issues. Mm -hmm. So you can go talk to a a counselor or marriage counselor about that all day long, but is that solving your lack of desire issue? Probably not. Right. You know, that's why we have people that specialize in this like me or, you know, a very 
well-renowned sex therapist. There are Let me a couple ask letters you this, though. Like, right. Let mm-hmm. me ask you this, because like, say the woman's listening or some guy's listening that has a wife that could really use your help, right? What is, like, I always want to know how much does it cost? Like, what's the deal? Like, what is your packages that you offer? Like, what, <laughs> how much does it cost, you know, get to the, the, I get down to the basics, right? Like, that's what I would want to know, right? How much does it cost and what is the plan? Like say I went to you and said, Hey, I need your help. Like, do you have a package deal where they have to come once a week? Is it a once a month? Do you do Skype? Like, can you explain your services and how much they are? Yeah. So the pricing changes and I don't give it out because honestly, you don't understand the value of it until you talk to me until I know that I can actually help you. I only work with people on an application basis. Mm -hmm. So there are people that I just don't vibe with and people that, um, that I don't want to work with. I have a full client roster, so I get to be cheesy. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I get to work with who I vibe with, who I'm going to enjoy working with for the next six months and who I know is going to put in the work to create the transformation and the change. Because you can come see me. Most people I see every two weeks, sometimes every three weeks. Uh, But you're not able and willing to commit to doing the practices I'm giving you, then I, you know, then clearly why are you going to make the investment in yourself it is an investment and it's a, it's at least a couple grand investment i don't work with anybody under under a grand uh, but yeah it just goes up and just depending on what you need like i have different tiers of support so mm-hmm. you know like my six month program that there that's one of the highest tiers and also have like an eight week program and every now and then i do a group program so it just kind of depends on what i've got going on all the time but right. yeah it's definitely an investment but it's nothing like um, you know, like people spend 35 to 50 grand on a new vehicle and they don't think twice about it. And then they, they go to invest a couple grand in their sex life and their relationship and they're freaking the fuck out, you know, like, come on people, where are what about fillers? No, no. What about women with fillers and Botox? Oh God, I mean, don't even on. get me on the Botox and boob but I mean, he's yeah. like, You know, you'll get there. You're still young, but, and you'll do it. Cause I was always like, I would never, I'm going to age gracefully. But when my body looked younger than my face, I was like, like, I need some help, okay? And I didn't do anything till I was 45. <laughs> you know, you could hold it together in your 40s, but after 45, you need some sh- a little sh- stuff done. But, you know, you, you could blow $1,500 in 20 minutes in the doctor's exactly. office, let, let alone exactly. a lot more. So, you know. I don't have no problem with that. But it's when you tell me that you don't find yourself worth it enough to do the deep healing work that you need right. in order to have the sex life you want that I want to go just smack your face and be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. But you I also think when you're dealing with people that have man. trauma or issues, a lot of times they have mm-hmm. block blockages to like, you know, sort of, you know, helping themselves because it is like a deserving thing. Like, oh, do I deserve totally. that? So, you know, it's hard to get that. But yeah. for the people that don't have that and could find you, right? Like you said that they have to fill an application. Like, do you do an initial uh-huh. like phone consultation that's free or do yeah, someone has to go? Like, how does right. it work? Yeah, so they apply, and when they apply, we set up a phone call. Yeah. And on the phone call, it's free. It usually takes an hour, and it's just giving us a chance to get to know each other, to see what your challenges are, what you're struggling with, what you're wanting to create for yourself. And then we dive into the blocks, and that's where I work with people around the blocks to change anyway because a lot of people are, here's here's what happens. They're terrified of what's going to happen if they actually are. 
what, turned connected? on and sexual again. Right. Some of them hold so much resentment toward their partner to where they don't feel like they even want to give that to their partner. They're like, well, if I'm sexual again, then that means I have to give my sexuality to my partner, even though I secretly hate him and resent. Right. And that's one reason they don't like deep down that they, they have blocks. And then also they think it's going to be this long, arduous journey of healing through their trauma and conditioning. And what I need them to realize is it doesn't have to suck that when you're working on sexuality, that means you're working on pleasure. You're working on bringing back into your life all the things that bring you pleasure. You heal with pleasure because that is a woman's natural state is to be in her pleasure. But moms in particular are taught to deny their pleasure, to sacrifice themselves, to, to you know, and the more that she does it, the better for her kids. And that is the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> because right, right, actually... Right. If you were in your pleasure, if you did make yourself a priority, if you didn't feel the need to have to sacrifice yourself and your needs for your kids, you wouldn't be so tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, and sexually unsatisfied all the time. And is that what you really want to pass down to your kids? Probably not. So working with them on the phone for that hour, we're working through all those blocks because there, there are legit reasons why people don't want to do this work, and I get it. You know, and if I can't get them to see that it's worth it, then they just don't end up working with me. And that's okay. Um, You know, it's not like I'm super attached to everyone that applies. It's like some people are going to be a good fit. Some people aren't. Right. And it's not like, I mean, a woman could do this on her own. She could be dating like you. Like she doesn't, like a lot of the practice I'm assuming is done solo, right? That Mm -hmm. does she need a partner to practice with? Or could she be a single woman that's doing it on her own? Not at all. My coupled clients, the ones that are in a relationship, that's one of the things I have to really get across to them is that your partner can help you on this journey, but they are absolutely not necessary. You don't need their permission. You don't need their consent. This is your sexuality that you're working on because your sexuality is for you and you get to decide if you want to give it to your partner if you want your partner to be a part of it it's sexual autonomy that that empowerment that I'm helping them come back to a lot of them if they've been in a relationship since they were 20 for example like you were saying yeah those women don't know what's theirs and what's not theirs in their sexuality they think their sexuality is their partners and that's a part of the problem too is that Actually, no, your sexuality is for you. It's for you to enjoy. <laughs> you get to decide who your sexuality, who who can take, who can be a part of that. And women are just so conditioned to the opposite of that. They don't even get it. So oftentimes my most challenging clients are the ones that have been in really long-term relationships. If they're 40 or 50, they've been in a 20-year relationship and they just have no idea that their sexuality can be for them, that it's for their pleasure and enjoyment and not somebody else's. And reversing that story in their brain takes time. Yeah, no. And I I was always like really selfish when I was younger. Like I was like the, I was like not very womanly in the fact because I was like more selfish and more like guy-like in my ways, right? And so I always, it was always easy for me to orgasm, easy for me to have good sex and all that stuff because I think I wasn't so female in that way, right? Whereas most women that I grew up with had issues having orgasms and stuff like that because they were more into pleasing their partner. They were thinking more about them when 
as a woman, you have to be thinking about yourself, right? You have yeah. to be connected to you. It's about you and there, and therefore you, but I think most women tend to sort of defer to somebody else, right? That's a people pleasing thing mm-hmm. that is put on women at a very young age. And so a lot of women, especially in my generation have that going on or had that going on. And that to me gets uh-huh. in the way of having good sex, right? Totally. Yeah. The people pleasing tendencies is, is really rough and motherhood even amplifies that, Yeah, which is why it's so challenging for moms to, to recognize that their pleasure is for them, that it's not about someone else. That actually when you follow your own pleasure, your partner gets turned on by that. <laughs> you know, that most totally. our partners want us to be in our pleasure, but we don't recognize that. We mm-hmm. think we have to cater to their every need. We have to constantly check in with them and right and that's not the truth of it at all yeah no I used to always and try to tell my girlfriend help. think of yourself it's only about you and then guys would always think I was a good lady but I think it was because I like I said I was selfish quote unquote but like that just meant that no, I was a good thing actually yeah right and I think that that is good and like like you said when I became a mom and my sex drive went out the window it was probably because it was the first time in my life I wasn't selfish anymore I'm like more like a mm-hmm. normal girl not good <laughs> That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. My son, I like the first, I'm always like, he's got me. I'm like his bitch. Like I've never, you know, listened to any guy as much as I listen to him. You know, he's the love of my life is what happens. Right. So, you know, yeah. it's, it, you know, whatever. But as far as you and like your sex life now, like, so you're multi-orgasmic. Can you squirt? Because that's like one of my things I want to figure out how to do. Oh. And I just like, you know, is that like something like either you can physically or you can, or like if you remove all those blocks and do what you did, like, did you suddenly squirt or were you always a squirter? Like, or can you squirt? That's my question. (laughs) Yeah, actually I never did. I think I did twice maybe until January of this year. Really? And then I had one partner that just could do it every freaking time. And he just, do you he think his dick was still like that, a, or was it with his no, hand? No, it was always with his finger. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he knew what to do yeah. with his finger and you had never before yeah. with your partners ever before. I had when I received a pussy massage, but again, it was finger. And another time when I had sex and I, I, with a guy with the biggest dick I've ever slept with. So. Right. So it's going <laughs> to touch you in places because it was just so, there wasn't a lot of room in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, it, yeah, it just came out. And then once when I had a pussy massage and then this What's a pussy one guy. Wait, but who gave you the pussy massage? Like, did you go to a place and like buy a pussy no, massage? No, no, or no. What do you mean? Like just oh, a guy no. was doing it to you? <laughs> no, it's a tantrika. We, we have the lovely capabilities of teaching our men how to uh, work our bodies in ways that they didn't know how. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I teach uh, a tantric sex program to couples as well. And so this is the technique that I teach them um, how to do pussy and penis massage. And it's a healing massage. And that's what we have to get across to men in particular is that it's a healing container. That means there is no goal. Right. Making her have an orgasm. Get that out your freaking head right now because that's not the point of this Uh, it's a healing massage so you're just letting her feel what she needs to feel you're bringing her home back into her body getting her into the present moment helping her to just be here right now and to feel whatever is alive right now 
And in our vaginas and our pussies, there's points of tension and stress. It's a freaking sponge in there. So it absorbs all of that trauma, all of that conditioning. And when you're in this beautiful container of no pressure, uh, knowing that this isn't about penetration, it's not about sex, it's not about him getting you off, it's just about you getting to feel what's here right now. And when you give a woman that space, magical things happen. Right. That's when things happen to her body she didn't know were even possible. Like you and I taught it. this. Right. Yeah, I taught this lover pussy massage, and it was in that pussy massage that I just squirted everywhere. Like it was like the floodgates open. <laughs> it was like, oh my god! And then every time after that, I was like, he could, he could do it. So it just takes that trust and that container of knowing that like everything is okay here like no matter what your expression is no matter what you're feeling like the first time it happened I I bawled I was crying and crying the whole time he was doing the massage you know like I was moving through some stuff and then it just happened and it was because I could just I could just be with my body I could be here right now and just let my body do what it wanted to do and there was no pressure and no goal same thing with being multi-orgasmic because you said like you went from not being Mm -hmm. to being multi-orgasmic right yeah. And so you think yeah, that people that can't... Yeah, I was orgasmic. Can't... What? But I was not... I was orgasmic, but I was not multi-orgasmic. Right, yeah. which is a totally different thing, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so do you think that people that can't aren't multi-orgasmic, like maybe there's blockages there that they could... Because I always just figured like you're either one way or you're not, right? But like, are you here to say that like if a woman is only having one orgasm that maybe there's some blockages in her and she could move those away and she would be multi-orgasmic? I am here to say that there are infinite levels of pleasure that we are capable of experiencing in this body Uh and that when we put a cap on our pleasure, then we put a cap on our orgasmic potential. Right. And I'm here to say that you can constantly upgrade and up level your pleasure and orgasmic capacity. There's always room to feel more. Right. Always. There's always another level. This one, I think I've experienced the best sex of my life. Then I have another experience. I'm like, damn, actually, that was the best sex of my life. Oh, actually, that was. <laughs> it just right. keeps getting better. And there's no end to it. It's infinite. But what about your date? Because you're dating now, right? And like you had all these sort of things put on you when you were younger. Like, oh, you can't have sex if you're not in, a, in love, whatever. Like, I mean, are you able... Are you, what kind of woman are you? Because you said there's some women that could, you know, have to have that intimacy and that connection and some women that don't. Are you someone that could go out and have like a one night stand because you're so open (laughs) or is that, is it the opposite? You know, I wonder. That's a really great question. I love that. I am, uh, there's different ways that I like to look at women's turn on and pleasure, um, one way is through brakes and accelerators, right? Like this is the work of Emily Nagalski and she talks about how, you know, you need to know your personal brakes, sexual brakes and your personal sexual accelerators. What, what are the things that turn you on? What are the things that turn you off? And, you know, having a good idea of what that is for you. And for most women, that means that sometimes you have super sensitive brakes super sensitive accelerators or they're really tight and firm. You know, like when you go drive a car, sometimes that accelerator, you barely press on it. It's like, boom, hundred miles, you know? Right. And other times it's, it's like 
you have to press it pedal to the metal to get to 100 miles an hour. Uh, but that's how women's sexuality is. Like you, it can vary and fluctuate so much. And this is the difference between having spontaneous um, desire and a responsive desire. So 80 something percent of women have a responsive desire and where they have pretty sensitive breaks. But for me, I have extremely um, sensitive accelerators and very non-sensitive brakes. So I am in that way. It's like I'm more like the 15-ish percent of women that have spontaneous desire. And most men have spontaneous desire. Like they don't need a lot of mental stimulation. They yeah. don't need a lot of like all the turn on throughout the day to get turned on. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have more of the sexuality of the typical man. And it does make me able to have one night stands, to have a lot of sexual partners and not feel bad about it. Like I don't need a lot to be turned on. So, yeah. you know, that is, that is who I am as a sexual woman. But for most of my clients and most of the people that I know and talk to, that's not the case for them. Um, so, you know, there's also the erotic blueprints, which is Jaya's work. And she really explains the different sexual archetypes. Like some people are blueprinted to be turned on by kinky things. Some people are blueprinted to be turned on by their senses. Some people need, you know, the, the nudity and the touch of their body. Right. Or maybe they're more visual than the regular person or they're, they, they get turned on by what they hear. I think people have differences like those as well. Right. Yeah. So even in the erotic blueprints, my primary blueprint is as a sexual. So, and that's what most of the typical male man is considered to be a sexual. And then there's like an energetic blueprint, a sensual, a kinky, and then a shapeshifter. And most women are like an energetic blueprint. Right. But even when I studied Jai's work, done her quizzes and everything, it's like, no, I'm I, I definitely have the sexuality of a man. <laughs> right, right. So it's not typical, but yeah, I have I have quite a few sexual partners, and I have lovers, and I've had amazing tantric lovers and experiences that are wonderful. And and I'm a mom, <laughs> and I'm an right. awesome mom. <laughs> and now, are you like are you bi? Like, are you with women and men, or is it just strictly guys? Like, I mean, what's your experience like that? I am the straightest woman I've ever known. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost disappointing. I just love cocks. Like I love being penetrated. I love penises. And uh, I've I've just never looked at a woman and been like, damn, I want to have sex with her. It just never happened. Um, I kind of wish I did because I think it would be fun. But again, I've just, it's just never, never happened for me. So, you know, you just got to kind of got to honor what, what it is in front of you that you desire. So of course, I mean, for, like, it's all men for me. <laughs> and for somebody like you who's so open and aware and in touch, like if it was there, you'd, you'd be doing it right. I mean, you have no hangups. Now you went from being like somebody that was totally right. closed off to somebody who was completely open. Right. So it's like, if you were interested, you would have, you know, been there, done that by now. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just in my, my wiring. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I'm just, I just like, I like men. I like their bodies. I like it. <laughs> so now give your website, right? And and also let people know where they could listen to you. You have a, a podcast, your own podcast tube. And also you have a website where people could go and see your packages that you have available. You want to give out a shout out to those things? Sure. Yeah. The website doesn't have everything I offer on it. Like I said, uh, 
fill out an application and we'll talk about all the different options. Uh-huh. It's, it's just a lot to put out all the different offerings. But, Wait, I'm going to um, just so- cut you off for one real quick and then I'll get you back on. Um, I just, because you don't want to get prices or anything, but I'm just going to tell some people because I went on your website while we were talking. And like, if you say you say someone just wants to do the whole JD thing, right? Because they want to just start there. I mean, they could b- basically buy the stuff online, right? And you could buy a jade mm-hmm. egg for like 80 bucks. And then uh, you have some very reasonable packages where people could get like information from you, right? You provide that information of what they could do with it and, you know, and practice on their own. And I mean, it's like a hundred, 150 bucks. I mean, it's not expensive at all. Mm-hmm. Like People yeah. could start in places like that, right? Besides, you also have the coaching. So anyway, go on. <laughs> Give right. your website yeah, so yeah. that people could see this information. This is just stuff that you have online. I'm just letting people know. But- right. Yeah. Yeah. There's different JDA, um audio guided practices and self-study guides that you can get. But yeah, the uh, website is the multi-orgasmic mama. Mm-hmm. Mama is spelled M-A-M-A dot com. And you'll see two of my coaching packages, one tantric sex for couples, and the other is my Ignite Your Desire Jade Egg Coaching Program, which is a mix of sex coaching and jade egg coaching. And it's by far my most effective, most sold, most sought after program that produces fucking epic results for helping women get their desire back. Um, and then the podcast is the multi-orgasmic mama on iTunes and Stitcher. And you'll also see it on the website and can stream from the internet there. Yeah. And next you're going to have a book because I mean, you have the title already. I think there's no, t- I mean, right. I mean, you have to, that's a great, to me, I don't know. I'm like expecting a, a little tab for a book. That's what you, that's what you need. Oh that, my God. Right. I can't even imagine writing a book at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It One takes day, a long time. But oh man, yeah. Uh, give, give me at least you know a couple of years on that one. You yeah. probably have a lot of it already with all the you know because it, it it could be a how to guide right and it's probably all these things that you have already the the stuff that you send out to your clients and all the stuff that you put together for your business right you just that you probably already have half your book two thirds. Well, that's what the podcast is. Yeah, the podcast is a lot of how tos and it's. Each episode could be a freaking book in itself. You know, I just don't like writing. So yeah, that's yeah, why I, I do podcasts. Yeah, no, so I'm a talker, not a writer. Talk. Yeah, I'm a yeah. writer. I'm a talker, not a writer. I've wrote books mm-hmm. and none that have done anything major, but it's the process of doing it is very interesting because it does sort of slow down your brain uh, in a way that was like interesting for me because I'm like very quick with talk you know my talking things come in my head and out my mouth whereas writing was like a something that really taught me to slow down a little bit because it's a totally different way of sort of communicating right and it was hard for me because it's not natural but it was interesting to go through that process you know but I bet you anything in your lifetime at some point you're gonna write a book it's all there you have it already by the I'm way sure. uh, <laughs> oh I know this is not not now <laughs> right exactly not no now. you're still having fun you're young your, your mm-hmm. kids are grown up you have tons of partners you're like a dude you get to you sleep around you're having a good time <laughs> i'm not having a good time <laughs> and so if people want to see you there's tons of pictures of you on there i mean normally nobody's getting you know i normally have to ask people like oh what's your scale of one to ten on my podcast people are always i think my listeners are always dying to know like what are these women especially when women are on like what do they look like you know because they're like hearing you speak and they're like you know they want to get a picture well if people want to see you they could just go to your website because there you are right that's you the multi-orgasmic mama.com if men you know i'm sure men are going to be checking that out just to see what you look like but if women that are listening or a guy that's listening and you have a girl 
a, you know, your wife, whoever that, you know, sort of lost touch with yourself, go to her website, maybe get a Jade egg, sign up for the coaching or, and also listen to your podcast because there's a lot of great topics on there for people to, I mean, that, that's a big how to, right. They could get a lot more information of specific topics, right. Cause mm-hmm. I tried to cover a little bit of everything on here. Right. But they could go to your podcast and what is the podcast called? The same thing as your website. Yes. Yeah, the multi-orgasmic mama. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Lacey. Thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, Lacey. Yeah, totally. Hopefully you'll get some clients from it. Awesome. All right, Uh I'll be sure to let you know. All right, cool. Okay. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.
Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.